Good morning, everybody. Uh, I was just thinking about a scripture as we were worshiping there. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Uh, and I just, I just wanted to, to stir you that when, when it came to the disciples, they, they doubted, but there's a massive difference between doubt and unbelief. And I just want to stir you this morning. I trust that hope will be restored, that God will stir your faith, that something will happen, uh, that we won't just think, you know, for somebody else, but God actually wants to break into your life and bless you in a way that's awesome. So I'm going to trust God for that. We are in a, a series at the moment. So if you are new to us, welcome. It's good to have you with us. And I trust that this morning will bless you. Uh, and if you, it, it's a series on mental health. And the last few weeks have been, I believe God's really been speaking to people and working. So if you missed the last few weeks, then I encourage you to find the podcast and, and then share it. Or I think it should be up on YouTube at this stage. And then share it with those people that you know that might be um, going through stuff. And I just want to, yeah, just, I'm just grateful to God for how he's moving through what I'm sharing at the moment. We serve a God who loves us. He absolutely loves us, and he cares about our mental health, and he cares about every other aspect of our lives as well. And we need to know that we are not alone. I, I'm, it's amazing, and, we, and I say this, but it's amazing how true it is that so many people can feel so lonely in a crowd. So you can be surrounded by people, but feel completely alone at the same time. And I just feel this morning, God wants you to know how close he is. He wants to put his arms around you, and he wants you to know that he is with you, that he cares about what you're going through, that he sees what you're feeling. He knows exactly where you are at and what you need to go forward. Um, so this morning, I'm trusting God for, for an encounter from him. People can get up here, broken people all over the world can get up and preach different messages, but when we have a revelation of Jesus, that's when everything changes. When God speaks, you know, people can say lots of stuff, lots of philosophy theories, but when God speaks, something happens. Um, there are times that we are strong for, for others, and there's times, that, or there's times that we are strong, and, that we need, and then there's other times that we need people to be strong for us. So you might be going through a dip right now, and you need people around you to be strong, but then maybe you're in a really strong place, and you can be strong for the people around you. So today I'm going to be talking about depression. And I know that, and that we sang that song this morning, you know, like we speak that Jesus will break depression, that if you are somebody in the room who's struggling, or you know somebody who's struggling, then this morning's message will really bless you, it'll, it'll speak to you. So depression is, I just asked Siri, oh, I just realized that when I say that, it's probably going to activate everyone that's watching online. Uh, um, depression is feelings of severe despondency or dejection. In, in, a, in, a, in an economy, it says a long and severe recession in an economy or market. So when we're feeling a depression, there's a severe despondency and dejection. Uh, I've had various people in my life who have struggled with, struggled with severe depression. And it's not something that you can just say, well, just, just pull yourself together. You know, just, just get over it. Just look up and move forward. That would be the same as telling somebody that's got a broken leg to just walk it off. And we can become completely insensitive to what people are going through. It's a complex, challenging, difficult subject to deal with. And you might be in the room and you're thinking, I'm not depressed, never have been, never will be. And that's great, yet with the strength you carry, hopefully you can help somebody else who might be going through something. And your strength will help them through. Uh, then again, maybe you're in the room and you are depressed. 
mildly, severely, or somewhere in between. And hopefully, even if you don't experience a radical healing today, which we can trust God for and God can do that, but if you don't get that radical healing from God, then hopefully today just gives you some stepping stones on how to move forward. That the presence of God will break into your reality and you will realize that there is hope, even if it's just a small step. I shared a a digs years ago. I shared a a house with a, a roommate and or a housemate and he was he struggled with proper depression so what happened was i was busy all day i was at bible college i was studying i was going about my thing and then i was sleeping at night and he was awake all night and he was sleeping all day he became like proper nocturnal and the thing about this friend of mine and many other friends i've known that have struggled with severe depression is they can they they awesome people friendly charismatic fun people you know, and everything, they can even be the life of the party, but not everything is as it seems, because in the background, what they're doing is they're going through an extremely difficult, they're in an extremely difficult place. The darkness over them feels absolutely real. They love Jesus, but struggle with depression, and we can't even see it at times. Yet I know, because I know friends that have walked through it, with God's help, Healing can be found. There is hope. And when people are struggling with depression, things that are usually, you know, like for, for, for people that aren't struggling with depression, getting up and getting to church is quite easy. You know, unless the weather's a bit bad or we know like you're a bit tired. But people that are struggling with anxiety or depression, it takes so much more effort for them to do the same thing. So we think just, you know, get over it. And they're thinking, you have no idea how much it took me just to get here today. So we're going to speak, and we hopefully God is going to speak to you and, and reach into a place where you go, Lord, I feel like you really understand. For those that don't struggle with depression, it can be so easy to misunderstand and therefore easy to dismiss. Now, oh, what are you so sad about? Get over it, you know? And you don't realize that the person that's carrying this thing, I would love to switch it off if I could. If I could walk away from depression now, I would, but I don't know how. The Bible teaches us that Jesus wants us to be free and that the truth will set us free. So hopefully today some truth will illuminate your path and give you some degree of hope. God cares about your life and your life matters. Uh, Today, we'll hopefully breathe life into a, what you feel is a hopeless situation. Proverbs 12 verse 25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. In the New King James Version, it says, Anxiety in a man's heart causes depression. But a good word, a good word makes him glad. The, the heart behind this message is that as I'm speaking, you'll hear the voice of God into your context. And all of a sudden, there will be some sort of Gladness that breaks into the sadness because not because somebody said something, but because God spoke and you realize that you weren't alone, that God is with you. God really cares about you. He sees. He understands. He knows. And he is with you. So I'm taking this series, which I have adapted for act from a series that I heard, which was incredibly helpful, so I can speak into my situation and other people's situations. And a lot of research was done into a lot of these topics. Um, and so Craig Rochelle breaks it down into four root causes of depression. 
And I think he's really helpful in all of these things. He says the four root causes of depression are, number one, biological. Number two, relational. Number three, circumstantial. Number four, spiritual. Biological, are they on the screen? Yeah, you can just leave them up there. Biological means that you are depressed because of a chemical imbalance. So it's not something that you can just sort of change. There's a chemical imbalance in your body. So therefore, it's not a fault of yours. It's something that's going on within you, and it's causing this depression. If there's somebody, and I know people like this, that have severe, struggled with severe or chronic pain, it's very difficult to process the pain all the time, and eventually it leads them into a place of depression. These chemicals can be influenced by a whole bunch of different things. Hormones, diet, sleep, exercise, getting some sun. I know this is not true, but I always say that people seem to be as happy as the weather. And if you go to very dark places, people feel far more miserable than those people that live in sunny places. And that's not across the board. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to say that when it's sunny, people seem to be happier. Sometimes what we need is more sun. Sometimes we need to change our diet. Sometimes what we need to do is sleep more. Like I said before, the, the bridge between uh, blessed and stressed is rest. Um, I've always... Another one is depression, postnatal depression. And I know this isn't therapy, but I, I realize that I'm trusting God to deal with something because so many people are struggling and it seems to be something that we just brush away and dismiss. Postnatal depression is a real thing. Think about it. Body's changing, there's hormones, there's, there's broken sleep, there's emotions, there's responsibilities. So there's biological depression. Then there's relational or environmental depression. This could be you are depressed because of your a marriage, a friendship, stress over your kids or over your grandkids. An unhealthy relationship is like a bullet hole into the bucket of our joy. And all of a sudden we realize that that relationship is causing us to lose all, our, all of our joy and our peace. So relational depression is something that's absolutely real. Our relationships affect our emotions. And I, I'm, I'm Thank you, Peter. You, you also feel like that. Me too. Um, it could be the result of a broken relationship, a toxic relationship, a disconnected relationship. It could be the result of rejection. During the shutdown, a lot of people were isolated. They were pulled out of their routines. They were pulled away from people. Some people were even pulled away from their own family for an extended amount of time. What happened during that time, I think, caused a bit of rupture in people, and we are only seeing the cracks showing now. There was a disruption to our way of life. Maybe you are in a situation where you've got you this big family and you're all happy and life is wonderful and all of a sudden the kids are older and they're moving overseas and now you're feeling completely alone. And that weighs on you. Um, when we live in a depressing environment or have relationship stress, it can lead to depression. The next is circumstantial. Nobody is looking for trauma. Nobody is looking for a tough time, yet sometimes those things seem to come and find us. And you might be thinking, and you might be in the room thinking, I plan to be here in life, but things haven't gone according to plan, and instead I find myself here. I thought everything would go like this in the relationship, or this in my work, or this with my life and career, and instead it's over here, and that makes me really miserable because I'm not where I wanted to be. I aimed at the dartboard, but hit the wall. I hope for an outcome, yet instead got something else. Big dreams and aspirations have, have not gone according to plan. Sometimes because of something we've done, 
and then we can beat ourselves up and feel even more depressed. Sometimes it's because of things other people have done, but sometimes circumstances and situations lead us into a place where the pressure and the emotional strain is overwhelming. Does anyone else relate to this? Just, <laughs> just me. Okay. Tim, lie down. So how long have you felt like this? Um, spiritual. Our battle is not flesh and blood. Church, I want to remind you Our battle is not flesh and blood, although flesh and blood could be the reason for our depression. Yet sometimes the onslaught of the enemy is so intense that it feels absolutely overwhelming and it affects our emotions. There is a real enemy. The the devil isn't some sort of made up thing. God's real, but the the enemy is real. And he wants... To lie to you, to destroy you, to pull you off course, to distract you, to remove you, to isolate you. Um, and what happens is when, we, when he starts attacking us and that pressure starts to get us, then all of a sudden we start feeling the weight of it. And the, the quieter or the more invisible he can be, the more we can believe his lies. So I pray that our eyes will be open to the spiritual realm so that we will see what's truth and what's not, so that we can fight against this thing that the enemy is trying to do. And we think, oh, I'm not depressed or prone to depression. And I'm a, you know, you might be in the room thinking, I have no clue what depression even feels like at all. Yet face a situation, a biological, relational, circumstantial, or spiritual situation that drags you into a place you never thought you could get to. Today, I want to remind us that you are incredibly valuable to God. If there's just you in the room, and you to just, everyone else is gone, and God says, you are so incredibly valuable to me. He does care. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a man from Scripture who struggled with depression. Very real depression. And what we can learn from that Scripture that will hopefully help us. And like I said, maybe we're not struggling, but then it'll help us to help somebody else. The man's name is Jeremiah, and he was a prophet. And being sensitive to God, he was also known as the weeping prophet. So by default, his name's like the guy that cries a lot, like the weeping prophet. This is Jeremiah. And as a prophet, he was the mouthpiece of God. Back in those days, when the prophet spoke, it was like God himself was speaking to people. So therefore, the, the prophet carried a huge amount of weight and responsibility. And God used Jeremiah to speak against false worship and social injustice. And he called the people to repentance. And he had some very strong warnings because God was speaking to him for the people. Yet the people weren't very responsive. They weren't particularly interested in what he had to say. Um, so he wasn't very popular with the people. And when you are called by God to do something and people aren't responding, then all of a sudden you start to question whether you are doing what you're supposed to be doing and whether God is in it and whether God really is speaking. And these people are kind of rejecting him. So it would have weighed on his emotions. So he was faithful and committed to God. Yet through a whole bunch of different series of events, and he faced some very real trauma, he ended up in a very dark space in his life. And before we look at what he says, which will hopefully speak to you. I want to lay a little bit of a foundation on what he went through. Before him, in the Old Testament, there was a man named Solomon. Solomon was King David's son. And he was the wisest man on earth at the time. He was by far the richest man. I actually looked it up this morning. I thought to myself, I wonder what he was worth in today's standards. 
Um, apparently, in terms of his personal wealth, he was worth two, over tr $2 trillion in today's economy. So that's $2,000 billion. So if you convert that to rand, it's all the money in the world. So he was very, very, very wealthy. He was very wise. He was very wealthy. His father, David, was a war man, and he had blood on his hands. So his father couldn't build the temple. So it ended up passing on to his son, who had all this stuff. And what happened is Solomon decided he was going to honor God and build the temple as God instructed. And it was a monument to the glory of God, an absolutely outstanding structure. No costs were spared. This man was extravagantly wealthy, and he spared no costs. When it came to materials, the most skilled workmen, everything had to be absolutely perfect. And this monument to God was built, the temple that housed the very presence of God. And it must have been awesome. And then the temple stood for about 400 years. And in, in about 586 or 7 BC, the Babylonians came in and they destroyed the temple and they took the people of God into captivity. And Jeremiah was there to see it all happen. Not the 400 and something years, he didn't see the building he saw the temple getting destroyed, the house of God being destroyed. He saw his friends and family and people that he knew, they would have been getting murdered and enslaved, being pulled away from their homes and their families broken apart. And despite Jeremiah's warnings, the people still rebelled. They didn't listen to him. They didn't take him seriously. They blamed him. They blamed God. They even mocked him. And because of all of the stuff that he went through and he saw everything that he was warning the people about going bad... And everything that was valued, valuable to him getting destroyed, he ended up in a very dark place. Some of you in this room have gone through trauma. You have experienced things, seen things in this town, in this community, in your life that have been absolutely traumatic. And it can be very difficult to process these emotions. Jeremiah saw and experienced things that were traumatic. Things that left him feeling depressed and extremely hopeless. And you could be in the room today and you're thinking, I am hopeless. I see very little hope for my situation. So let's look at exactly how Jeremiah felt in Lamentations 3. Wow, guys, I hope you like this. Is, this, is, this, is, this in itself is depressing. <laughs> There's good news. Um, Lamentations 3, verse 1 to 20. How do we know Jeremiah was depressed? Read this. I'm the one who has been afflicted. I'm, I'm the one who has seen the afflictions that come from the rod of the Lord's anger. He has led me into darkness, shutting out all light. Have you ever been in a place where you're in such a dark place that you feel like not even the presence of God could break into it? It's just pitch black. He has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. By the way, he's expressing his feelings here. And, 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 and he's attributing his feelings to God. The nature and the character of God, he's, he breaks into his world. And he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and flesh grow old. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and surrounded me with anguish and distress. He has buried me in a dark place like those long dead. He has walled me in, and I cannot escape. 
How many people can relate to that? I feel trapped in this dark space. I don't know how to get out of it. And I feel like everything is boxing me in. He has bound me in heavy chains. And though I cry and shout, he has shut out my prayers. Jeremiah was extremely depressed in this space. And he felt that as he was praying, his prayers weren't even hitting the ceiling and coming down. They were just falling dead out of his mouth. It was like there was just, he felt hopeless. Maybe you've been in a place where you've prayed and you feel like your prayers are just not doing anything. Number verse 9. He has blocked my way with a high stone wall. He has made my road crooked. He has hidden like a bear or a lion waiting to attack me. It's like even if I do something around, it seems like it's going to go wrong. He has dragged me off the path and torn me in pieces, leaving me helpless and devastated. He has drawn his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He shot his arrows deep into my heart. My own people laugh at me. All day long they sing their mocking songs. He has filled me with bitterness and given me a bitter cup of sorrow to drink. He has made me chew on gravel and has rolled me in the dust. Peace has been stripped away and I've forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out. My splendor is gone. Everything I hoped and I hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. This prophet, mouthpiece of God, devoted to the king and the kingdom, was depressed. He felt absolutely hopeless and scripture doesn't and it will go so well with you every day all the time you will avoid trauma and pain and you know all the discomforts of this world if anything it says this there's people that we can look at from scripture that went through exactly the same pain and struggle and how did they respond but it's sobering to see how relatable this is earth is not heaven and there is no illusion that it is That's part of the reason that we pray. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God wouldn't call us to pray heaven to earth if that wasn't possible. And this morning in the prayer meeting, um, I think it was both Isaac and Stu both prayed, Lord Jesus, your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we trust in God for a manifestation of what we see in heaven to happen in our church and in our lives. It is possible, otherwise we wouldn't pray it. But the reality is, Earth is not heaven. So when it comes to depression, there's two things that you can relate to. And I, I, hope, I hope you guys are hearing this. Number one, our emotions are valid. This is stuff I've heard, so I'm just sharing it forward. It's been helpful for me. Our emotions are valid. Number two, our situation feels hopeless. The reality is, your, what you feel is valid. Your emotions are valid, valid. And you might be sitting in a situation that is really genuinely hopeless. So when it comes to our emotions, we can't deny that they are real. Um, it would be like someone saying, oh, you shouldn't be angry, you shouldn't be sad, don't be upset. But I, but I am. <laughs> and the reality is that you, you, it's relatively condescending for you to tell me not to be what I feel. Because I feel what I feel. Uh, I am feeling what I'm feeling. And you telling me not to feel what I'm feeling isn't really helping me. 
And I'm not going to start pretending that I'm not feeling what I'm feeling because my feelings are valid. Then we can also probably feel I've tried, I've prayed, I've put in a whole bunch of effort, more effort than anybody actually really appreciates, and I still feel hopeless. So the truth is that our emotions are valid. And the truth is that we do feel hopeless, yet we are saying only a part of the puzzle. And if we take a step back and see more of the puzzle, then all of a sudden those truths are true, but there's more to them. So what is the complete truth? Number one, our emotions are valid, yet they are not permanent. There's somebody, at least somebody in the room that needs to know this. What you are feeling now is real, but it's not forever. I know what it's like to feel that what I'm feeling in the moment will never, ever go away. That the pain that I'm experiencing will be my pain forever. And that's how we feel. My feelings are real, but they are not permanent. Number two, our situation feels hopeless, yet with God, there is always hope. Whatever you are going through, there is always hope. When God is involved, the impossible becomes possible. Dead ends become doorways. Tests become testimonies. And we can trust that God loves us, that he is powerful, and that he will come through for us. Some of you are right now in the vice of testing, and that test will lead to a testimony. Hope is not lost. God is with you. So when it comes to our emotions, we can feel, um, sorry, what we feel is significant to our healing. And this is really, really, really important. During some of the tough times that I've gone through, I've had to learn how to acknowledge my feelings as what I'm feeling so that I can move forward. When we ignore and suppress our feelings, instead of removing them, all we do is embed them. And what we're going to say is this. We're not going to embed our feelings by pretending that we're great when we get to church and we smile and we're putting on a happy face and we're completely happy all the time. Push our feelings down. Push our feelings down. It's like trying to take a, a what's called ping pong ball and hold it underwater. As soon as you let it go, it's going to go up. So what we need to do is acknowledge the feeling that we're feeling so that we can actually put handles to it so we can deal with it and move forward. But we can't just suppress it like it's not there. It is okay to feel hopeless. It is okay to say, I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling scared. I'm angry. I'm hurt. I'm numb. I'm empty. I feel that. And God's not going to go, oh, I can't believe it. They should never feel those things. And therefore, I'm going to push them away. I'm going to reject them. I'm gonna... God knows what you're feeling anyway. It just helps us when we acknowledge what we're feeling. Wow, Tim Kyrie. God... God is not afraid of our emotions. And it's not saying that now, therefore, I need to own that emotion. Uh, I mean, not own, that I need to keep that emotion. It's saying that I need to acknowledge that emotion so that I can process it and move forward. When we confess, confess our emotions, it takes the invisible and makes it tangible so that we can process it. Studies have been done talking about fears and phobias, and they conclude this. Naming our emotions opens the door to changing our emotions. Guys, I don't know what I've done. It seems very sad in you. And this helps us understand what you are feeling now. And, and I, there's, there's some people in this room, I know, I know that it's hard to get through the day. I know there's people here. 
Because I know. And if you acknowledge that you are feeling what you are feeling, it really helps you to start to process that. But what you are feeling is not forever. And when we feel like it is forever, we start making forever decisions based on the feeling. So when we understand that what we are going through is not forever, listen to this, we shouldn't make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. I'd love to say, uh, Tim, that's great. I'm just repeating what I've heard. Not only this, we shouldn't make permanent conclusions based on temporary emotions. You know, like, ah, all men are like this. All women are like this. Or it'll never change. It will never get better. This is my lot in life, so therefore I better just suck it up and deal with it. It's a lie from the enemy. We shouldn't make permanent conclusions based on temporary decisions. I wrote this down and I feel like I need to emphasize it. We don't want to pour cement into the foundation of a feeling that we don't want to live in. We don't want to pour cement into the foundation of a feeling that we don't want to live in. There are times that our feelings will, will be, they will hijack us. And our feelings will come along and they are so real that we cannot deny them. So what they do is they, they hijack the vehicle of our lives and then they end up trying to pull us off track. You know, and the enemy is all too happy to whisper in our ear, it's fine, it's fine, just go with what your feelings say, even though your feelings can lead you astray, right? And then what we do is our feelings come along and we say, you drive, I'll be a passenger. We can't ignore our feelings, but we also can't trust them to drive. Your relationship may be here today, yet... It's, it's here today, and it feels hopeless. And then actually in the future, it could be there. But what happens is we make decisions based on what we're feeling in the moment, and we don't realize that what we're going through will actually change. In the darkest time, when pain is so real, we may be tempted to say, life just isn't worth living. I can't do this anymore. I'm done, 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 done. What did, what did Brent say at one time? Stop the world, I want to get off. And the enemy will say, that's right. Your life's not worth living. You've messed up. You're not good enough. You're not worthy. It's a lie. Cry out to God this morning, and he will hear you. And he will rescue you. God has a plan for your life, and the devil is a liar. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God has a plan. And I want to say this to you. With God, there is always hope. Jeremiah was broken, struggling, depressed. Lamentations 3 verse 20 says this. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Listen to the next verse. Yet I still dare to hope and remember this. Can we dare to hope today? The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. May the character of God break into your darkness And the word of God breathe life and light up your path. I'm not crying because I'm hurting. I'm telling you I'm crying because I know how many people are. 
Um, from my own experience, I've come to realize that Jesus is our rock. And no matter what you're going through, if you can learn to find Jesus in the middle of your storm, then all of a sudden, it's like standing on something secure and stable. No matter what you're feeling, what you're going through, what comes your way. And then I've found that when you try and put your hope in anything other than Jesus, it's like stepping on a slippery iceberg. What we do is we, we try and put our security in something, and then it's, it's, it's melting quickly, and it's freezing cold, and it's burning us, and we slip, and we hit our heads, and we feel completely lost and we're going to drown and our hope is gone. But if we can learn how to put our feet on Jesus, then all of a sudden, despite the storm, I have peace, I have hope. Something starts to break into the darkness and all of a sudden I've got the strength to move forward. I trust that this morning you will be able to, even if you are in the storm and you feel lost, that you will swim and climb onto the rock of Christ and hold on because he's not moving. He's going to give you stability and strength to move forward. No matter what you are going through right now, God really, really, genuinely cares. You have not messed up so badly that God cannot restore and redeem. We need to sometimes just let go and let God. Like I said last week, pray, pause, praise. Pray, Jesus, please help me. It's so dark. It's so painful, I've messed up so bad. Lord, please break into my space. Lord, there's nothing I can do to change anything. All I can do is trust you. Pray, pause, let go and let God, and praise. Lord, you are faithful, you are strong, you are good. Despite what I'm feeling, despite what people are going through, despite the realities of the storm and the struggle, you are worthy of all praise. God has what we need to get through, and we need to trust him today for strength for tomorrow. In the midst of my darkest days, I have found two incredible strengths, which I've shared before and I'm sharing again. Both of these were strengths outside of my own strength because I didn't have any of my own strength to lean on. Those are my faith, or our faith, and godly friends. I call these my crutches to coping. And the strength of those things will determine our strength to move forward. If you are struggling, tell somebody. There's no shame. If anything, I said it's not weakness, it's wisdom. It's wise, it's wise to go to somebody and say, I'm under a lot of pressure, or I'm feeling feelings that I can't ignore or can't deny, and I really need God to break into my world. And then trust God, and we surround you with godly people that you will move forward and get through what you're going through. Our focus determines our future. So today, maybe God didn't all of a sudden heal you of depression. But he let you know that he cares for you, that he's with you, that he's there. And if you just reach out and hold his hand, he will move you forward. Jesus Christ didn't die just so that we can go to heaven. He died so that we can live full and abundant lives now. And there's no shame to say, but I'm not there yet, Lord Jesus. Can I take your hand and will you take me there? The realities of what I've gone through are there. I know some of the traumas of the people in this room. Losing a loved one. Going through incredible things you didn't ask for, wish for, or want. And you can't deny the pain. But I don't believe God wants you to continue to carry it. Sometimes we need to minister to ourselves. Lamentations 3 verse 24 says this. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, 
I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him. To those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. Our feelings are real and they need to be processed, yet they are not permanent. Our situation may feel hopeless, yet with God, there is always hope. The gospel is called good news on purpose. That in the midst of our darkness and our disconnection and our sin, God breaks into that world and he rescues us and he pulls us out. And he doesn't say, okay, one day I want you to live in suffering and then when you die one day you'll experience me. He wants us to experience God now. I I know that some of you are carrying so much when it comes to emotional weight. And, And this morning I believe God just wants to help you take that off so that you can walk free going forward. The truth sets us free and we know this, that Jesus is the truth therapists can help medicine can help doctors can help but when we want to deal with the root issues of things we need to know that Christ is there for us and that he's got a solution for the way forward forgive me in advance but I'm not worrying about time now I'd like I'd like I'd like us to pray And I'd like those people that are struggling or you're going through something to somehow respond to God. Whether you stay in your seat and raise your hands or whether you walk to the front and you, and you say, Lord, in faith I'm walking forward and trusting that the depression or the pain or the struggle or anxiety, whether it's minor or major, I will be able to deal with. I pray, Lord, that you will break into my darkness, into my sadness and reveal your goodness. So I can experience the gladness. I don't want to depress anybody with a depressing message. But Jesus doesn't want you to carry that thing forever. Let me say this. Now this is a bit depressing. For a a non-believer, for a person that hasn't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your best day on earth is your best day of eternity. For a believer, a follower of Christ, your worst day on earth is your worst day of eternity. For those that are in the room that believe, that have accepted Jesus Christ, not just come to church, but you've accepted the Lordship of Jesus Christ, a promise, because it's a promise from Scripture, the best is yet to come. Things will get good. You will be blessed. You will spend an eternity celebrating in the presence of Almighty God. And that celebration doesn't have to end when we die. It can start early. So I want you in the room to know this, that if you're going through something, hold on to Jesus. Talk to somebody. Let's pray. Will you, will you stand together? If you are struggling in any way, I'd like you to either raise your hands or walk to the front. It's not weakness, it's wisdom. Thank you, Jesus.
I pray, Lord Jesus, for those people that are right now, so many hands raised in the room, Lord Jesus. And your word says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, Lord Jesus. We do know that there's a responsibility. We do know we're carrying things. But I thank you, Jesus, that we don't carry things further than we need to. And we don't let the worries and the weight and the pressure of this world crush us. I thank you, Lord, if there is a biological depression or a circumstantial depression, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you lead us to a place to find freedom and healing from those things. If there is a relational struggle, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for restoration, if possible, in those relationships, that we find peace as far as it is possible with us. I pray, Lord Jesus, for those people in the room that are struggling with depression and they don't know how to shake it off. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that this morning the light will break through the clouds just to give hope. Just enough light to take the next step forward. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that for everybody in this room, as far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed our transgressions from us. If we've made a mistake that's pulled us into darkness, I thank you, Jesus, this morning we are forgiven. If we are struggling because we've lost somebody we loved and care about, I thank you, Jesus, that this morning you speak life and hope and we feel a sense of comfort from your presence. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will rest on us like a blanket and whatever we are facing, you speak to us, you comfort us, you lead us, you guide us and the reality of the living God will break into our world. I pray, Lord, against the, any demonic strategy or scheme that would come against the people of our church, our families. I thank you that is broken in Jesus' name, that we will walk in supernatural victory, that our tests will be our testimonies. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that the trials and the tribulations will only develop our character so we can reflect you better. I thank you for a supernatural strength now, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for those people in the room that feel like it will never change. Thank you that that lie is rebuked in Jesus' name and things will get better. Pour out your spirit, I pray. Comfort those that need comfort, Lord Jesus, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.